Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Deanna Yoakum and Robert Brokamp, personal finance experts here at The Motley Fool. Robert is busy uh, surfing the internet on his computer right now. Would you like to join us, maybe, and do this? Oh, did we start yet already? Yeah. I'm just kidding. I was paying attention. I'm going over our show notes. Thank you very much. See, that's that's what time prior to me saying those words is for. I can multitask. I can listen and read at the same time. No, no, you can't. No, people can't. They just can't. They're fooling themselves. Well, let's get into it, because today is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. Well, with the election starting to heat up, you're going to be hearing a lot more about the third rail of politics, Social Security. And why is it called the third rail of politics, Robert Brokamp? Because if you've ever seen like a subway or metro, the trains run on two tracks, but they're powered by the third rail, which is electrified. If you touch it, you die. Right. So Social Security. That's I'm, it. I'm so looking that up on Snopes. I'm not sure that if you actually touch well, that. Let's go down to the metro station, which is not far from here. Touch the third rail and let's see what happens. I think I'll just throw some like peanuts on it and <laughs> see if there are any sparks. <laughs> Chances are you're not an expert on Social Security, even though you probably contribute to it every paycheck. So today we're going to give you a primer on Social Security and tackle some of the biggest myths. Let me interject a fun fact here, since that's my only job on today's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Dayana with the fun facts. 94% of American workers pay 6.2% of their taxable income, up to $118,000 annually, into the Social Security Trust Fund. Fun fact over. Fun fact. <laughs> By the end of the show, you'll be better prepared to talk about Social Security at those cocktail parties we never get invited to, and you'll be armed to get the most out of what you put into it. So we're going to. 6.2%. 6.2%. Actually, fun fact most people get more out of Social Security than they put into it. That's interesting. It's super it fun is to know. <laughs> I thought it was, but you were both staring at me like I just like spouted pie to you. I was staring at you because it 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 may be most, but that's such a wide distribution. I mean, you think about the people who been paying into it for their whole lives, and then they die at age sixty-one. They never got a dime out of it. So I'm sure there's a wide distribution in terms of whether you got more than what you put in. That's all I'm saying. This is going to be a delightful episode. <laughs> this is brutal. <laughs> we knew it was going to be brutal going into this, which is why we are armed with so many fun facts. All right. Well, let's get right into the, the fun history of Social Security, starting with the Great Depression. Yeah. It was the 1930s. The country was in the midst of the Great Depression following the market crash of 29. Millions of people were unemployed, including two million hobos. Which is what they call what they call them on the Social Security is, is hobo is hobo the politically correct term? That's what you put on your tax return. Occupation hobo. Hobo. No, literally, that's what they said. They put it in quotes. They're like hobos. And what's funny to me is that when I was a kid, my dad used to say, "Oh, for a while there, your grandpa rode the rails." And as a kid, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of fun." Okay, he. Re-. But then later, when I was adult, more of an adult, I was like, "Hey, wait a second! My grandpa was a hobo. <laughs> that's why we call him Papa Hobo. Papa Hobo. <laughs> Obviously, not for his whole life, but during the Depression, he was pretty hard hit. So, uh, one of those two million hobos was my grandpa. 
<laughs> made me sad. All right. Let's keep going. By 1934, half of the elderly didn't have enough money to support themselves. And it was these people that President Roosevelt wanted to help. So his idea was to pretty much create what we've got right now, at least part of it. The basics when you think of Social Security, the idea that you pay taxes into a system and then when you retire, you get some money back. Um, at the time, when it was initially launched, you got one lump sum. Eventually, it changed it so you got money as like a, every month or whatever, every however. This is so brutal. Sorry. <laughs> so it was signed into law in 1935. Here's a fun little story. According to Wikipedia, because yes, I did some of my research on Wikipedia, um, in a Senate Finance Committee hearing, one senator asked the Secretary of Labor, Frances Perkins, isn't this socialism? And she said that it was not. To which he replied, isn't this a teeny weeny bit of socialism? (laughs) So... As it started, benefits were only paid out to the retired worker at age 65. It wasn't until 1939 that it was amended to pay out to dependents and surviving family. It was also amended in the 50s and 60s that led to Medicare and disability coverage, and the eligibility age was lowered to 62. But as you faithful listeners know, you don't get as much moolah when you retire that early. Uh, a bunch of other amendments led to other stuff, which I'm not going to go into. <laughs> Here's a fun fact. Yay. <laughs> Keep them coming. This, this, is, this is all about your social security number. I wanted a boring fact, but go ahead. All right. Uh, it's kind of fun. In 1936, Social Security Administration started assigning these numbers to workers so that they could track the earnings uh, that someone had over their lifetime. For most of us, we've got the nine-digit number, and it starts with the first three digits, which are the area number, and that's tied to, it's a geographical tie, and it's really based on your zip code. Where, where you, you were born? Like where you were born. It's followed by a two-digit group number, which is between 01 and 99, and I could not find on the Social Security website exactly what that means, and I spent hours there. And then it's, it ends with a four-digit serial number, and those are sequential. So let's say you're a twin, and uh, your, your number and your twin's number are going to just differ by one digit at the very end. But starting in 2011, they started issuing Social Security numbers differently and with a randomized method. And the reason being with is that you didn't have to have that much information about someone to kind of guess or figure out their Social Security number. Now that it's randomized, it's a lot harder to um, for the bad people out there to steal your identity and start earning in your name. <laughs> Why doesn't that ever happen? Why doesn't someone who's got <laughs> like right. high-paid Silicon Valley jobs steal my Social Security number, earn a bunch, and then give it back? That's right. And they're not reused? They're not reused. Once you die, your number dies with you. Right. And they have issued about 470 million numbers wow. since the beginning. So there you have it. That's my fun fact. Thank you very much. Super fun. Well, now that we've covered some fun facts in the history of Social Security, We're going to talk about some common myths and misconceptions. And, bro, the first one is that people think it's a retirement account, but it's actually more like insurance. Right. In fact, uh, when you pay your taxes, you'll see it on your pay stub as FICA, the Federal Insurance Contributions Act, Social Security, as well as Medicare. Um, There's no account somewhere at the IRS or the Treasury Department with your name on it saying, this is all the money you've put in, and we're going to give it back to you when you retire. It all goes into this big old fat ugly trust fund. Um, it's a pool of money. The money you put in, most of that is going out to someone else's social security check. 
and the process will continue, hopefully, forever and ever, so that when you retire, someone else's money from their paycheck is going to be taken out and sent to you. Right. So that kind of brings us to myth number two, because common conception out there is that Social Security is going bankrupt, and that by the time we in this room are ready to retire, there will be nothing left in the kitty. Right. It, it, it's, it, it is, and it will always be essentially a what they call a pay-go program, pay-as-you-go. So as long as people are working, Social Security will always have money. The issue is, will they be able to pay folks like us, who are so young and good-looking, as much as we are currently expected to get? And the, and the answer is probably not. The estimate is somewhere around 2033, 2035. The trust funds will be depleted, and we'll only get about 75% of what we're currently estimated to get. So I think it's time for a fun fact. What do you guys think? That would be great. <laughs> I'm going to go back to Social Security numbers because I'm just so fascinated by this. <laughs> so, you can change your Social Security number, but only under certain circumstances. If you've been a victim of identity theft and it's continuing to cause you problems because your number is floating out there and people are using it occasionally, you can get a new number. Also, for reasons of harassment, abuse, or life endangerment, meaning someone's using your Social Security trying to use your social security number to track you down, you can have it changed. Another reason is maybe your number is really similar to someone else's number, that whole sequential numbering thing, and so things keep getting confused, you can change it. Uh, and another reason is the digits you were assigned contain your unlucky number, seriously. If there's a number in there. <laughs> but you have ha to say it's for religious For religious reasons. or cultural reasons. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. So you do have to provide proof, documentation from a religious group where you've been in an ongoing relationship. Yeah. So That's the so church funny. of the church of odd numbers. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> their their constituents are always very right. busy. Important point, the old number does not go away. It's just cross-referenced with the new one so that you get the earnings reports for uh, the, the credit for both numbers. I future. mentioned this in a previous podcast, but you remember the tale of the secretary at a wallet company who the <laughs> boss decided to use her social security number in a sample card in the wallet and thousands of people thought it was their social security <laughs> number and kept <laughs> using it for decades. Decades. Yeah, yeah. There's a good reason. I assume she got a new social security number. Hope I so. hope so. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So for our next myth, it's kind of the opposite of the, the myth we just talked about, the idea that Social Security is bankrupt. Well, the other myth is that some people are like, oh, well, then Social Security is just fine then. So Social Security is just fine then, Robert? No, not exactly. And that gets back to the, um, it's, it's just not going to be able to pay the benefits that people are currently projected. It's certainly people who are in their mid-50s, and older people who are retired, they're going to be fine. I, for younger folks, I think you cannot expect to get what you are currently promised. And I think they've gone back now to, to sending you a statement three months before your birthday, so you can take a look at that. Um, so it's not fine. Uh, lots of proposals on the table to make it a little more financially sound, retiring later, maybe raising taxes. Uh, but to me, that's that, that's essentially still a benefit cut, right? You're not going to get as much from Social Security, or you're going to have to pay more for it. So the bottom line is, while it's not going to go bankrupt, you're not going to get as much as previous generations. And this goes back to demographic changes right. in the U.S. Uh, in 1940, the life expectancy of a 65-year-old was about 14 years. Today, it's 20 years. So we should rethink that healthy living thing, maybe, if we want yeah, Social Security to remain right. healthy. If we wanted to be solvent, just more people <laughs> right. should die sooner. I think that's really And it. fun fact, 
By 2033, the number of older Americans will increase from 46.6 million to over 77 million. Right. And I think the numbers like nowadays, it's like three workers for every retiree. And by then, it'll be just two workers for every retiree. So that's, you know, fewer workers having to support those Social Security payments. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's one of the current political debates, right? Raise, right. raise the Social Security retirement age, that you'd full retirement age to 68, 69, and 70. Yeah, so the plan is that um, full retirement age will be 67 by 2027. Um, Chris Christie just came out with a proposal for Social Security, and he proposed um, you know, bumping that to 69 for getting full retirement. Um, he also proposed that if you make more than 80000 in your retirement, you should get less from Social Security. And if you make more than 200000 in your retirement, you shouldn't get anything. Um, and there, unlike you were saying, Diana said at the top of the show, um, right now, any income you make over $118,500 is not taxed. You don't pay Social Security on tax on right. that. And they're thinking of raising that amount, too. So there's lots of different options out there. Yeah. It, it, interestingly, the very first like real pension program in the world was in Germany, late 1800s, Bismarck. And then to collect, you had to be age 70. And you think of like the life expectancy back then. This That really was. And that, that's why they call it an insurance program. It's an old age insurance program. So that if you get to really old age and you have no money, there's something there. Whereas now people would argue that we're really looking at this as sort of like a lifestyle retirement program. Mm -hmm. I've finally reached a certain age. Now I can go to Florida and spend this money. And it was never the original plan was never intended that. It was just a way to provide a bare level amount of income for people who uh, lived a very long time. Well, it's still, I mean, it still is for a lot of people because like, yeah. here, here's a f not fun fact. Diana can bring the fun ones, I can bring the not fun ones. Um, Without Social Security in 2013, more than half of the elderly in this country would have fallen below the poverty line. Right, and that's a it's a that's a very interesting statistic to look at the difference between the the number of seniors at the poverty level before Social Security and after Social Security. If you want to look at one single stat in terms of the program's success, that would be it. Yeah, I mean, because these numbers aren't that different from the numbers I was saying at the top of the show. Half of the elderly in, in 1934 didn't have enough money to support themselves. Yeah. Well, look at that. Today in America, still, half of the elderly would be below the poverty line if they didn't have Social Security. Right. Yeah, and the, and the benefits represent about 38% of the income of these people. So you take that away. And, and oof, that's right. Oof. And that's the average. It's something like one in five basically rely completely on Social Security. And when you think of the annual benefit of Social Security is around $16,000, that's a little scary. Mm -hmm. So that gets us to our myth number four, which is that you should collect Social Security as soon as you're eligible because you got to get what's yours before the pot runs dry. Yes. That's not a thing people say at well, all. I th I th <laughs> it might be a well. The well. It's the well that runs dry. The pot calls the kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> Mixing metaphors with Allison Southwick on the next episode of Motley Full Answers. Nope, pretty much every episode. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the, the large, large percentage of people claim it as soon as you can, which is 62 for most people. Um, and the, from the most part, that's not the smartest thing to do from a financial perspective, because the sooner you take it, the more you lower your benefit, and you've lowered that for the rest of your life. There's some coordination strategies if you're married when that might make sense. But generally speaking, it's better to wait. Um, and some people have that same answer, like, I'm going to get the money because the money's going to go 
is not going to be there in 10, 20 years. So I got to go now. So I hope that we have dispelled some of that. I have, I have no doubt that whatever changes they make to Social Security, it's not going to affect people who are already retired. So I think anyone who is at that point, they just don't have to worry about it. Any changes are just going to affect the younger folks. And if you are right there, it really behooves you to wait a few years. So fun facts about (laughs) ages and collecting Social Security. If you retire at 62, which we just talked about, your maximum benefit in 2015 would be $2,025. If you wait until... uh, Per month. Right. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Per month. If you waited until full retirement age, which is 66, your maximum benefit would be $2,663 a month. But if you can put it off until age 70, which is when you have to start taking your benefits, right? Right. There's no benefit to delaying beyond age 70. Right. Your maximum benefit would be $3,501. So that's a lot of scratch per month we're talking yeah. about. Right. One of the things we were talking about before the show is that a lot of the people who do take their money, who do cash it out at 62, are also in lower-paying jobs doing hard manual labor. And the idea of working much longer is just brutal to them. Right. Or maybe physically they're incapable of it. Right. And that's, that is certainly uh, an issue. Um, what's good for about the program in terms of those concerns is that lower income, for lower income workers, more of their working income is replaced, a higher percentage of their working income is replaced by Social Security than wealthier folks. So you can expect to have more of your income replaced the lower you are on the income scale. So that's good. It is a progressive system to that degree. And, And I think that is something people have to appreciate as we debate about raising their age. There's some jobs that you just cannot do for 40 years and expect to continue to do it well into your 70s. Like my back's kind of hurting sitting here and talking into a microphone. I don't <laughs> know how much longer I can do this We're going to be guy. doing this show for 40 more years. 40 more years. 40 more years. All right. Myth number five. Social Security is enough to retire on. Right. We touched on this earlier. I mean, the average benefit is $16,000. That is the average. So if you are higher income, uh, if you were a higher income earner during your life, it's probably closer to twenty, twenty-two thousand dollars. But still, that is not a lot to live on. If that's, it's certainly not going to pay for the retirement most of us want. Um, so you have to supplement it in other ways, ideally by saving, maybe working part time, something like that. Oh, hey, here's a public service announcement: <laughs> Do not laminate your card. It prevents detection of many security features. Child, please. The security have they dramatically changed social security cards from when I was a little kid? Is there a security feature in my card? Literally, my card. If I remember right, my did my card was it social security? And then I literally wrote my own little number in with my. Or wait, was that a different card? That might have been my life. <laughs> that was that secretary's card. Is it? That, I think it was my um, mystery science theater three thousand fan <laughs> yeah. club card. Um, yeah, it's For just my, a it was my Duran little Duran. piece of paper. Did they change it since yeah, then? I don't know. Don't laminate your card is all I'm saying. Oh, hey. When don't. was the last time someone asked you to, asked to see your Social Security card? I don't even Never. Have, I don't know where mine is. Never. Never. They ask for the number all the time. You can ask a business what they're going to do with it, why they need the number, and you can refuse to give it to them. Of course, they could refuse to give you service if you don't provide it, but there's there's a right you've got. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, don't lose your card. You can replace it for free if it's lost or stolen, but only three times in a single year and only <laughs> 10 times during your lifetime. So somewhere at the Social Security Administration, there's a little spreadsheet that keeps track of how many times you've asked for a new there's card. There's a guy doing that, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> your ticking tax box. dollars He's at work, a He's ticking a box. By the wow. way, legal name changes uh, and stuff like that don't count towards the limits. Gotcha. Carry on. Do you have any closing thoughts, Robert, when it comes to Social Security? I would say that while we are big fans of do-it-yourself investing here at The Motley Fool, and you can do a lot of financial planning on your own as well, the decision of when to take Social Security, especially if you're married, is actually pretty complicated. Um, I, I read something recently that said that there are actually 96 different points at which you can choose to take your benefits. And it really could pay off um, to hire, hire someone, a fee-only planner, pay for an hour or two of their time to really look at the situation and say, okay, what's the best situation for you? Because once you do it, you don't, it's, you can... You can actually undo it, but you got to give the money back that you've taken, right? Right. And then, and even that, once you make the decision, you only have a certain amount of time to change your mind, but otherwise that it's permanent. You're stuck with it. So it definitely makes sense to get an expert opinion right when you're at that point of making the decision. It's not a bad time anyhow, because you're about to go into retirement. There are a lot of decisions, Medicare, accounts from which you should be taking your investments, how much you can afford to spend each year in retirement. It's a good time in life in general to see a financial planner. The Social Security website, ssa.gov, has a lot of calculators and tools on there that are, that are pretty cool. It's but pretty helpful. It's a very helpful website. It's, it when can... I said cool, I mean... <laughs> you meant cool. You meant cool. Oh, you loved it. Um, this try... is so much fun! <laughs> Entering numbers! <laughs> Clicking on buttons! <laughs> yeah... Okay, but you know what is fun on the Social Security <laughs> website? <laughs> it has an area that's devoted to baby names by birth year, oh, by yeah. decade. And so I did a little research, guys. <laughs> is This is where I spent most of my research time, just clicking around on baby names to see what people <laughs> look for. Trends. How many Dianas are there? I will. I did not find Diana. I can't imagine. On there. In the 2000s, the number one male name was Jacob, and the number one female name was Emily. Huh. Those are oh. good names. Yeah. Those are solid. In the 90s, it's Michael and Jessica. Yeah. And then second place, Christopher and Ashley. Michael and Jessica again in the 80s, and then Christopher again, and Jennifer were the second most popular names hmm. in the 80s. In the 60s, Michael again, and Lisa. Lisa shows up then. What was number one in the 50s? James and Mary. Uh, so I always heard Robert was number one in the 50s. I have to look that up. In the 30s, it was Robert and Mary. Oh, there on, and then Robert and Mary are pretty much the most popular names from the 1880s to through the 1930s. Robert and Mary or John and Mary? Oh, sorry. Robert and Mary. Robert and Mary. <laughs> sorry. Robert and Mary. <laughs> in the 1790s. <laughs> yeah. I only, it only goes back to the 1880s. Anyhow. <laughs> So from the 1880s to the tens, what do you call them? 1910s, John. Shut up! <laughs> I was told this would be fun. <laughs> Can we go back to talking about Social Security payouts? <laughs> Let's talk about some actuarial tables, please. <laughs> In 
1520, Elmer made a comeback. <laughs> I only go back to the 1880s, Robert. But how would they know? Is Social Security didn't begin until I the don't 1930s? know. I'm, <laughs> it's on SSA.gov. I just, I'm up. just like repeating what was there. Anyhow, John and Mary from the 1880s <laughs> to the. Well, that was plenty of fun for one day. But if you need more Social Security hijinks or have to know what year this country reached peak Darlene. (laughs) Jehoshaphat? Anyone? Jehoshaphat? (laughs) There's tons more information on the government's website. Just go to ssa.gov. We also didn't get around to talking about Medicare or disability, so maybe we'll cover that in the future. Because the only thing more fun than talking about Social Security is becoming sick or disabled. (laughs) (laughs) The show is edited by Rick Engdahl with theme music composed and performed by Dayana Yoakum. Our email is answers at fool.com. Drop us a line or don't. That's okay. Uh, And also, please, uh, if you have time, leave a review for us on iTunes. It helps us get more higher ranked and brings more people to the show. And we want to help spread the word. The good word about Social Security and Ashley's. I don't know. <laughs> Helps us spread the good word. All right. For Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum, I'm Allison Southwick. The idea is, I mean, it just didn't need quite that much, but I think it is fascinating. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs>